Welcome to the Her Life Her Way podcast hosted by me, Maddie. Here at the Her Life Her Way podcast, we facilitate honest and vulnerable conversations with women from across the globe that shine a light on how we can craft a life that feels meaningful and joyful to us all. Through these conversations, you can expect to feel empowered in your journey to live, relate, and work in a way that feels nourishing for your mind, your body, and your soul. We will never shame you into thinking you aren't enough or that you are not doing enough. Alternatively, our conversations highlight the patriarchal system working against all women and will provide you with the tools, wisdom, and support you need to live a fulfilling life in spite of a system that is designed to strip women of their autonomy, joy, and wholeness. This is your life. You get to live it your way. So welcome again to the Her Life, Her Way podcast. I am so grateful that you are here, and let's tune in to the episode. Today on the pod, I'm super, super excited to bring you all our amazing guest, Jen Massey. Jen Massey wants to help you change your life. As an ICF certified mindful leadership coach and owner of Conchi Coaching, John, uh, Jen, excuse me, is uniquely qualified to empower leaders to make the mindset and behavior shifts necessary to become more confident and effective in their approach to work and life. From navigating deeply human issues that help improve overall culture and employee retention to more strategic and tactical solutions like time management, communication, and sharing resources, she empowers her clients to have a greater impact with less stress and more ease. When Jen's not coaching, you can find her out in nature hiking, backpacking, or snowboarding, and visiting microbreweries with her husband and pup, Chauncey. Welcome, Jen, to the show. So excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's, Uh, you know, it's really funny when I I hear my bio read because it's just such a change from where, like, I used to be in life. But I'm like, yeah, this is what I do. That's that's cool. It's it's just really cool to hear things read back to you. Oh my gosh, of course. And to kind of like move off of that, I would love to hear a little bit about your background and what brought you to the place where you're at today, serving your clients in the way that you currently do. So if you want to share a little bit about your story so our listeners have an understanding of who you are as a person, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been a coach for four years now. Actually, tomorrow is my four-year quiddiversary. From- Congratulations. Thank you. I love <laughs> celebrating it. Um But before I became a coach, I did the corporate thing. I worked in corporate America for over 11 years. Um, It was like probably 11 and a half. And I held a number of positions. Um, I started in public accounting, which was great um, because I graduated college when the market crashed the first time, um, at least in our age. And I have a job and it was great, but public accounting, especially audit, um, people don't like you. Like you go in and tell people (laughs) to change their systems and people don't like you. And it was really hard for me to be in a position where I'm trying to empower them to improve their systems or do things. And they're just like, nope, we don't like you. So I made the move from public accounting and audit to internal audit, thinking that maybe that would be better. Maybe I would have a better impact um, in an internal environment. And it was for the most part. But then I just was like, you know what? Let me move into sales and marketing and business development, because that allows me to be creative. 
again, it allows me to help people sell things, do things. Um, and that worked for me for a really long time. Um, I actually thought I was going to work at that company forever. I had an amazing wellness community. And then the company was bought. Standard mm-hmm. corporate America yeah, <laughs> downward yeah. spiral happened shortly thereafter. Um, and, you know, it was really crazy. The last 18 months that I worked in corporate America, I went from being like, super happy and fulfilled to completely burnt out. And I lost who I was. Um, I was stressed. I didn't realize I was stressed. I didn't realize I was burnt out. Um, health wise, like had a bunch of health issues. Like my gut was really trying to scream at me. Like something's got to give, something's got to give, something's got to give. Um, and I didn't realize how deep dark in the hole I was until I walked into my boss's office one day and I was trying to pitch an idea that would help an underserved segment of our market and our sales rep. Like it would help our sales reps sell to this underserved segment of the market. And he didn't even finish saying no. And I just broke down, like literally broke Mm -hmm. down in ugly, snotty, uncontrollable tears, like hyperventilating because I'm not a crier. So when I do start crying, it's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. (laughs) They like, it's just, it's a very uncomfortable situation. And it was in that moment that I was like, this isn't right. This isn't normal. This isn't okay. And I went home and you know, he just kind of stared at me and was like, go take a couple days off. So I did. And I literally went home and I was like, Talk to my husband. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I need to find a job that I can actually empower and inspire people. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know what careers exist that can allow me to empower and inspire. And I literally went to Google and I Googled <laughs> careers that can inspire and empower people. And I found coaching and the coaching program that I specifically enrolled in was um, an energy leadership program. And it spoke to me because at the time I was so lost and in such a dark place, I'd given up everything that I had wanted, like every, everything that brought me joy, everything that brought me energy. And for whatever reason, that program spoke to me and eight months later, so it was an eight month program, eight months later, when I finished that certification and I eventually quit my job, they were surprised because I had come such a long way in those eight months, just from reclaiming my energy and learning stress management tools and learning that like their BS couldn't impact me if I chose not to let it impact me. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just such a transformation that when I eventually left to start Conchi coaching and to start helping other leaders, you know, with time, energy, stress management stuff, like my boss was completely blown away and (laughs) that in itself, it just speaks to the power. And now four years later, just knowing how much more I've grown, I've moved across the country. I've done so much stuff that it's just like, it's just really cool to see what can happen when you're just like, a listen to the signs and say, something's not right. Do something about it. And then make the choice to continue living in alignment with your values and chasing your dreams. Like it's super cool. Definitely. And what a beautiful story. And to kind of go off the point that you just ended with of like 
the first starting point of paying attention to the signs. So one of the things that you mentioned was like your health was not doing so hot, right? Like your gut was having all sorts of issues. Um, the breaking down in your boss's office, that's a sign. Can you give some common signs for anyone that's listening that might be in a position, corporate or not, because this also happens to entrepreneurs, you know, burnout happens if you own your own business. Can you give some signs of like things people can look for if their bodies, their minds, their hearts are telling them that maybe this job, this business, whatever it may be, isn't the best fit for them? Yeah. So I would say first and foremost, if you find yourself not prioritizing things that bring you joy, So I was a huge gym rat at the time. I was like known as the fitness person at this company and I stopped going to the gym and I personally had stopped going to the gym because it was located in the office building. And I was like, I can't spend another moment in the office building, (laughs) but I stopped going for runs. I stopped going to the gym. Um, So if you stop doing things that bring you energy and bring you joy, huge red flag especially because we're so good at rationalizing like, oh, well, I have to get this project done or I have to do this. Like, I don't have energy for that or I don't have time for that. Like, uh -uh. make time for it. Like the moment that goes out the window, big red flag. Um, If you pay attention to where you feel stress in your body, um, because I like for me, the gut issues came so much later, like they were always there. I've had chronic gut issues my whole life. Um, but I, because I've had chronic gut issues, I didn't take it as a red flag. I was Mm. like, Oh, it's normal. Oh, it's normal. No, not normal. (laughs) So yeah. If, so if you pay attention to where you hold stress in your body, pay attention to your breathing because our body will tell us that we're burnt out much before our brain does. Like, our brain is really good at creating stories and rationalizing. So pay attention to your body, pay attention to your energy levels. Like if you're just feeling chronically fatigued, red flag. If you're saying no to things that bring you joy, red flag. If you're feeling tense and jumpy, red flag. Um, If things that shouldn't trigger you are triggering you, like it's funny, I was talking to a new client yesterday and She's like, it's the little things like I'll be driving and I'll get stuck behind a slow car and I'll get immediately frustrated. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're probably stressed. And she's like, I'm not stressed. I'm like, we'll talk. Let's talk. Like, let's (laughs) not my job to say if you are or not, but I'm going to assume that you're carrying stress energy with you or burnt out energy with you, with you. So like pay attention if things just trigger you quicker, it's probably a red flag. Oh, that is such a good one because that's a sneaky one, right? Because there are all these little tiny moments. I've experienced this in moments of burnout of like, I am more reactive towards my partner or I'm more reactive towards the slow car or like the wind blowing in the wrong direction if I'm in my hat, like the smallest little things, right? Which we don't necessarily like 
put together as points of burnout because they seem so minuscule. But if you actually take a step back and look at it from a bird's eye view, you can see like how all these points lead back to that moment of burnout. And so to kind of rewind a little bit, can you contextualize and maybe provide some sort of definition or how you define burnout for yourself and your clients? What does that even mean? Because it is such a buzzword in corporate and in business right now. It's such a buzzword. I, for me, I would define burnout as a lack, a complete lack of energy and motivation to do things that inspire you. Mm. Because even when you're incredibly burnt out, you're going to show up, you're going to go to work, you're going to do the things that you have to do. But it's, that's where the buck stops is I'm doing the bare minimum. I'm doing what I have to do to survive. That's a burnout. If you don't have energy to do more above, beyond, do the things that bring you joy, go meet with your friends, go for a run, whatever. To me, that's burnout. Yeah, absolutely. And so when we're talking about the things that contribute to burnout in the workplace and beyond, right, because it's not just work, what are some of the things that you hear your clients talk about or some of the things that you've experienced? We talked about the signs, but what are the contributing factors that lead to burnout for some people? So I would say it's a great question. Number one is misalignment of values. And I say that with the giant caveat that a lot of people don't actually know what their core values are. So they can live out of alignment with their core values and have no idea that they're living out of alignment with their core values. So definitely the number one contributor, but often the one that goes the most missed because people don't understand what that even means. Um, So we can circle back to that. Yeah. Um, Another one is chronic change. So change and uncertainty, which if you think about it, we've been living in that since the beginning of 2020. Absolutely. Even now that we're, we found stability at this point, life is kind of resumed. But when you look at corporations, like all the scale backs, people leaving their jobs, like the tech industry right now is getting hammered. So chronic change, change management, uncertainty, huge factors of burnout because we have to be able to stabilize. Like we can do change, but our, our bodies and our brains like routine. And if there isn't routine and we can't create habit or create routine and we're constantly feeling like we're catching up and we constantly feel like we're treading water, it's exhausting. Like it's, (laughs) it's absolutely exhausting. So I would say misalignment of values, um, change, and uncertainty and the people or environment that you're surrounded by. If it's not right for you, it's going to be burnout. So if you're, if the culture takes a nosedive, if your boss, if your team, if your peers, if you're a company of one and your clients aren't great or your, um, family situation isn't great, whatever it is, if you're surrounded by people that pull you down, it's going to lead to burnout because it's just anything 
I think the simple answer is anything that drains your energy. Yeah. For a sustained period of time will lead to burnout. Absolutely. And I love that you highlighted those three specifically and we can kind of pull apart each one. But I love that you highlighted those because they're less obvious than what someone may think, right? I think oftentimes when we get to a place of burnout, a lot of us are just like, oh, I took on too many projects or like I did too many things, right? And so that's when people start like pulling out leisure activities, right? Or when they start, if they're like at the next phase, maybe they're starting to pull away from some work responsibilities or whatever it may be. But actually, that's kind of like the cherry on top. (laughs) Uh, What we really need to do to really resolve the burnout and look at like what are the contributing factors that made me get to this point are the things that you had mentioned, right? The core value, the misaligned core values, um, the relationships that are really taking a nosedive um, and all of the change. Um, So let's kind of talk on each of those three points. So first, let's start with the core values. Can you explain what a core value may be and kind of lead us through a little mini exercise of what it might look like to identify what the core values are for each of us? Totally. So, and you can Google it. There's a number of different definitions of core values and types of values, For simplicity's sake, I like to say there's two types of values. There's core values and there's fear-based values. Most of us live with fear-based values until we know otherwise. So if somebody, like when you hear the word value, someone's like, oh, family, financial stability, safety. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Well, family, we can talk about in a second. Financial stability, fear-based. What does financial stability get you? Freedom. Freedom would be a core value. Financial stability is a strategy to get you there. But Mm. you're afraid that if you don't have the financial stability, you can't do the other thing. So that's the differentiator. Core value is something that you, that lights you up, that fulfills you, that brings you energy, that makes you who you are. It allows you to show up as your best self. It can drive you. It can help you make really hard decisions confidently. So for me, my two core values, my top two core values, my non-negotiables are freedom and connection. Mm -hmm. Every decision I make is run through those two lenses of freedom and connection, where I live, who's in my circle, the things I say yes to, the things I say no to. There are obviously things I have to do that I don't want to do, like paying bills, but paying bills contributes to my freedom. So because it allows me to go live the life I want to live, I sit down and I pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So like there's certain things that you're like, like, I don't want to say no to that, but if it empowers me to do something I want to do, great. Um, I love the family one because everyone's like, oh, family. Okay, well, what is it about family? Is it the trust? Is it the honesty? Is it the connection? Because what about family drives you? Because those are probably the core values. And if you can drill down to the level below family, it allows you to write off the crazy uncle or the crazy (laughs) or the crazy brother or whoever that's not serving you. Because family could be a fear-based value. If you feel obligated to prioritize your family versus choosing to prioritize your family, totally different. Um, 
Yeah, and it's interesting too. I love how you mentioned it allows you to cut out, but it also allows you to call in, right? So by, let's say, centering connection um, as the core value rather than family, then you get to expand that to friends and coworkers and community members and neighbors, you know? So your circle gets so much bigger um, and how you spend your time and energy becomes um, more steeped in your core value than if just family, because that's such a small percent, right, of the people that we're surrounding ourselves with, um, if that's your core value. So that's a really, really interesting way to look at it. Yeah. And it's, and for me personally, because I, well, I moved away for college and never went back home and I'm very close with my family, but because connection is what drives me, it was a lot easier for my husband and I to move across the country because family is also very important to him. But we have created a family unit here in Oregon because we, it's like chosen family, right? Like we surround ourselves with people who support us, have our back. If we are in an emergency, we can call them and know that we're safe, even though we're 2,700 miles away from our actual family. Um, so yeah, it's, it's what builds you. Um, and then you would ask for like a mini exercise. Yes. So let's do that. Cause that's super fun. Um, I will say that if you want an extended version of what I'm about to do, it is in my burnout bundle. Um, so you can, you know, go check. There's a simplified version on my website that you can download for free, or you can buy the burnout bundle itself. Uh, that has a much longer guided version. Awesome. Ultimately, when it comes to identifying your core values, write down the words that really inspire, that really inspire you and motivate you and fulfill you. And just write a massive list, like write down at least 20 words, 30 words that fulfill you and bring you energy. And if you start to put down words that you're like, I should probably put this down. No, no, <laughs> don't put it down. I should probably care about, no, don't put it down. Only the things that inspire you and fulfill you. And it can be, it doesn't have to be like words that, um, one would consider an actual value, like freedom and connection. Like for me right now, if I was doing this list, I would put mountains, nature, trees, solitude, silence, water. Like I would put down descriptors that made me feel good. Because once you have those words, then you can take that step back and say, what about these words? What do these things bring me? And the answer to that will be your core values. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good exercise. Um, I'm actually just about to do that this week. My therapist sent me over a, val- a core value sheet because it was a big part of our conversation this past week um, through Brene Brown, I think is what the word she is through. Um, uh, so that was on my agenda this week. And I'm going to add your little <laughs> yeah. exercise to my agenda too, um, because I think whether you work in corporate or whether you lead a business or whether you lead a family or lead a community group or whatever it is, right? I think it is our responsibility as humans, as leaders, as community members to really, really, really um, nail down those core values because it's what anchors us into our purpose. And 
unless we're anchored into our purpose, it's really hard to actually be of service to the people that you think you're being of service to. Again, whether that be corporate, business, community, family. Um, So I would love before we move on to um, the second contributing factor, I'm really curious to hear as a business owner, how these core values shape the decisions that you make in your business. Yeah. So it shapes every decision in my business, Um, especially because connection and freedom, like they're both incredibly important. And because of connection, I like doing things with other people, but I am a solopreneur. Um, The only help I have is through my VA, through Hire Her. So it's just the two of us, really. And because of that, and because I am very much an extrovert, very much a connection driven, I like partnering with people to do things. I'm constantly seeking out other coaches to work with. And I'm Mm -hmm. constantly looking for ways to partner with other coaches to say like, Hey, let's collaborate together. Let's do this together connection. But then after a while, this has happened a couple times where the other coach isn't quite as far into their career as I am, or they're not as serious about it or whatever. They're not meeting their end of the bargain. They're not meeting expectations. They're not showing up prepared enough to drive the solution forward. Mm. And it gets to the point where I'm like, I feel like my freedom is being crossed because I could be using this time for something else. Yeah. I could be doing something else. And the moment that something starts to feel like a weight and an obligation instead of a want, I cut it out. Mm. So it is, it's, that's how I run it. Cause I'm like, I'll give it a chance. I'll give it a chance. It's a great way to connect. It's a great way to brainstorm. But the moment that I start feeling icky about the relationship or icky about the where it's going or the moment I'm like I think it's kind of crossing my freedom here I cut I immediately I'm like nope not doing it yeah and I mean I think that's so beautiful and also tremendously difficult you know especially if anyone listening like you're thinking about doing this for yourself your own business if you have any people pleasing tendencies which a lot of us do or trouble saying no which a lot of us do right this is a really difficult practice to start to integrate into your business and so kind of stemming off of that what were your first stepping stones as you were building your business to start to learn how to say no how to push opportunities away that weren't connected with your core values because i know that takes a lot of courage for some folks it's really hard, yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> but ultimately when you run things through your core values, your non-negotiable core values, it is so much easier to stand up with confidence and say, by saying no to this thing in my business, I am going, I am saying yes to myself. Mm-hmm. And yes to my core values. Because it's one thing when you're like, oh, I don't really want to do it, but I guess I should do it. And that fear kicks in and like the the people pleasing. And I want to get into that in a second. But the moment you start running it through that 
that judgment and the stories and the what are they going to think about me and blah, blah, blah. It's so much harder to say no. But when you run it through the lens of this is a non-negotiable core value of mine, it is so much easier to say no to the thing that's crossing your core value so you can say yes to the thing that allows you to align with your core value. Yeah, it's almost like you're running things through your non-negotiable core values. It's almost like preventative care, right? Mm -hmm. It's preventing you hopefully from going through burnout. It's preventing your body from having to deal with that. It's preventing the mental and emotional things that come up when you like impede on your own core values, right? So even though it's difficult, just like a lot of us don't want to go to our annual doctor's appointment. We don't want to make the, we don't want to go to our annual dentist appointment, whatever it may be. It sucks. It's not fun at first, but doing those things prevent you from dealing with worse things down the road, like having to pay thousands in dental care or whatever it may be. So thinking about core values in that way, I think is really helpful too. And I will also say it gets so much easier the first couple times, because our whole life has been through this lens of judgment and lens of fear and lens of like, oh my God, they're going to hate me. Oh my God, they're going to blah. Like, okay. So first of all, who cares? <laughs> yep. Like if they hold this against you, they are not your people. It wasn't meant to be. Yep. So there's that. But ultimately, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, to kind of riff off of that too is like something I always say to myself and to like some other people in my life is that we are just like the side characters in everyone else's lives. You know, I think so often we think we're the main characters in people's lives (laughs) because we're the main character in our own. But actually, if you were to like jump into this other person's shoes – What's going on in your life and how you're interacting with them is just such a small percentage of what's actually going on in their day-to-day life that it probably doesn't matter as much as you think it is yeah. mattering. <laughs> and what I would also say is I've kept – like I keep saying like I have two non-negotiable core values. You can care about a lot of things. But if you have more than two or three non-negotiable core values, it gets a lot harder. Yeah. So – really challenge yourself to bring it down to two because then it is, it's like, I'm only prioritizing these two things. Mm -hmm. Everything else, like I can then do the benefit risk, like cost benefit analysis for the other things and how much I care about it. But like when it's only two things, it makes it that much easier to say yes or no. And the more you practice, the more you do it, the easier it gets And it almost doesn't even, like, I don't even think about it anymore. Like someone's like, hey, do you want to do something next Thursday? And I'm like, let me look at my calendar. Am I open? Yes or no. What else is going on? Am I going to feel fatigued? Yes or no. Do I want to, like, I have this whole like decision flow chart. (laughs) Like, Am I going to say yes or no? Because when the time comes, will I feel like it's crossing my freedom? And if the answer is yes, then I'm going to say no. Yeah. I might suggest a different day or time if it's something I want to do. But if it's something I'm like, ah, you know what? I think I'm just like not going to want to do it. I'm going to show up begrudgingly. I'm going to say no because it doesn't serve the other person either if I'm not fully invested. Absolutely. I bring up that example all the time when people are considering outsourcing because outsourcing is one of those things that people usually end up 
like at our front door when they're either burnt out or they've done the work on their core values and realize a lot of entrepreneurs have the same core value of freedom. I know that's one of my core values too. Um, and so they get to us and be like, okay, this is what I really crave. This is what I really value. And I need to make some changes in my life and in my business to facilitate this, right? And so people will come to us and um, they will say like, I am doing all these different things. I might be doing all the social media stuff, all the website stuff. I can do it. I might be good at doing it. I have the time to do it but I can't do it any longer because I'm burnt out or I can't do it any longer because I need this instead. And so when people come to us, I always say, well, not only are you doing yourself a good service, you're also doing everyone that you serve, everyone that you interact with a good service too, because the people that you're interacting with, whether it be your clients, your family, your friends, deserve to have the whole you, the you that's like filled with the energy that you want to be filled with, has the time that you want to have all the things. Um, so I think that's important to point out to people too, who might be struggling with that people pleasing piece, right? You can always remind yourself like this actually does serve a greater good. Um, it only has to serve you. And also it can serve other people too. And I will also throw out there that people pleasing along with a number of other self-sabotaging behaviors that we all have, we all know what we do. Yep. So to say like, I don't self-sabotage, BS, check yourself. We all <laughs> self-sabotaging behaviors, but they're all learned behaviors. They're all learned protective behaviors. And it's really important that if you have people pleasing tendencies to not say I am a people pleaser because Mm. then it becomes your identity. So change the language around that to be like, I have people pleasing tendencies. So if you feel the need to start pleasing people or putting other people's needs first, check yourself and be like, "Mm, I'm feeling the call to, I'm feeling the need, I'm feeling the drive to please this other person or be liked by this other person. Why? and challenge it because it's a learned behavior that probably learned between the ages of seven and 10. If you want to get real technical here, that keeps you safe from emotional harm and you Mm. probably don't need that protection anymore. So now that we're in our, you know, late twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, like whoever's listening to this, you probably don't need that anymore. So change the language, question it, and then say, what would better serve me? Yeah, I love the change the language piece too because that applies to so many different habits that hold us back and self-sabotaging uh, behaviors. Um, and I also love too that you said it's like a protective factor that we learn at a young age because so much of the way that we show up um, in fear or when we're feeling triggered or whatever isn't a bad thing necessarily. It's what we were taught or what we learned from a young age. Like even the way that our nervous system shows up, right, <laughs> is a protect a biological protective factor to try to protect our body. It thinks that like let's say you get a work email, right, that really triggers you. It has some really negative um, feedback. Your body then tries to protect you because your body thinks you're running from a cheetah, <laughs> like running from a predator, right? So It doesn't know the difference. <laughs> it doesn't know the difference, which I think helps you have a little bit of compassion, right, um, for the way that you show up and also allows you to question things because you're like, this no longer serves me. My body might be trying to protect me in this way. My mind might be trying to protect me in this way, but I can override that and learn coping strategies that might be better fit for what is actually happening in my life right now, not 
when I was mm-hmm. seven or 10 or what I, yeah. my body learned ages ago. Yeah. And it's, so I had mentioned that my training's in energy leadership and there's two types of energy. There's catabolic energy, which is a stress reaction. And then there's anabolic energy, which is the driving, motivating, collaborating, creative energy. And that catabolic stress reaction, to your point, like it's a learned behavior. It serves a purpose. It Those triggers serve a purpose, but it's our job to talk, talk our brain through it and change the story to be like, it's just a micro trigger. I am not at risk of dying. I am not at risk of X. Yeah. Breathe. Why is this triggering me? And the more we can ask those questions of like, why is this triggering me? Why did I have this reaction? The easier it is the next time that email comes in, you're not going to be as triggered. And every time you challenge it, it's like, okay, why did I have that emotion? And I actually, a great example, um, one of my friends here, she has a five-year-old son and we were out playing in the water one time and he fell in the water and like, and had like the biggest reaction, (laughs) yeah, screaming, crying, whatever. And I was like, well, he did just kind of fall on a boulder and she just kind of silenced me. I was like, okay, you do, you do the mom thing. And she just looked at him and she was like, you're having a really big emotion. Why? The emotion feels bigger than it should for what happened. Can you talk mm-hmm. me through why you're having this emotion? And ultimately he was having the emotion because he didn't want to be sprayed by the water gun and like falling had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But it was like, she made him kind of step back and be like, why are you having this emotion? Because it's too big for what actually happened. Oh, I love that analogy. And I love that as a question we can ask ourselves always, because I think the best leaders, the best business owners are the people who will take accountability for their own emotions, right? It's so easy to blame your mental and emotional state on the actions of others, right? That is not ethical or responsible leadership, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Ethical and responsible leadership is doing exactly what you just said and taking a moment to pause. So training yourself to pause, step A. Training Mm -hmm. yourself to ask yourself that question of like, why is my emotional reaction as such? Mm -hmm. And then taking action from there. And now a brief break to hear from one of our sponsors. The Her Life, Her Way podcast is sponsored by Her, a women-owned and operated virtual assistant and online business management agency that provides female-identifying founders and leaders from around the globe with creative and technical support. With over 4,500 log client hours and over 130 clients served in just three years, our highly skilled and trained team has been able to provide high quality, reliable, and strategic support that has helped our clients to create sustainable growth in their businesses while also taking some much needed time off. As shown by her 90% client retention rate, her customers love, trust, and are empowered in their work with our beloved team members. Our mission at Her is to empower and enable more female founders to do more of what they love with the people they love while leaving a lasting impact on the communities that matter most to them. 
Some of the services our virtual assistants provide include email marketing, inbox and calendar management, course design and management, podcast management, blog writing, Instagram management, and website management. While our highly skilled online business managers support our clients with systems and processes management, launch strategy and implementation, client experience management, project management, and team management. If any of these services sound like they would be helpful to you and your business, we would love to connect with you to learn more about you and your own specific needs. Feel free to go to our show notes to learn more about her and the work that we do as an agency. We would absolutely love to support you and amazing work that you are doing within your community. So once again, go to the link in the show notes to learn more about our agency and connect directly with me, Maddie, the founder of Her, to book your own discovery call to talk about next steps and getting you the support that you need and you deserve. So now back to the show. So kind of that third step, taking action from there, what would that look like? Can you provide some um, examples? One action you mentioned earlier was like taking a few deep breaths, but what are some other things that maybe folks can think about when it comes to managing stress and moving along this timeline of uh, handling triggers? Totally. So I want to summarize the thought you just had in a really easy kind of diagram. And I'm going to use my hands because clearly talk with my hands. Me too. (laughs) And -hmm. then we have the default reaction. But what we're doing is we're training rather than trigger default reaction, we are training our brain to create space. Mm -hmm. And then we're choosing our response and our Mm -hmm. response might be what our default reaction was going to be. That's fine. Let's say you're on the phone with customer service and being polite and being kind and breathing is not getting your way. Fine. Elevate, drop in, get frustrated, ask to be moved to a supervisor or manager, whatever. But what you're doing is by creating space, you're choosing your response, which ultimately helps you get into a higher energy level because you're coming from a place of choice. Mm, yeah. So what that looks like is, um, and I'm going to just use the work email trigger as an example. Work email comes in, it triggers you, you get pissed off and you do one of two things. You fire off an email that you're probably going to read later and be like, shouldn't have said that. Or you're going to go start running your mouth to somebody else. Or you're going to internalize it and think, Oh my God, I'm the worst. I effed up, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. None of those serve you. None of those serve you. Firing off an email that you don't want doesn't serve you. Running your mouth to someone else makes you look bad. Internalizing it and saying that you're the worst or you screwed up, probably not true. Like take some accountability, but don't self-degrade in the process. Yeah. What does serve you is taking a step back and saying, what are the facts? What are the facts and what serves me here? Is it picking up the phone and calling the person and saying, you know what? I think there's been a miscommunication. I think there might be some things that are getting missed. Can we, can we realign? Is it writing an email and sleeping on it? 
going back in and evaluating, did I take the emotion out of it? And am I sticking to the facts? Um, you mentioned Brene Brown. One of Brene Brown's biggest things is the shitty first draft or the stormy first draft, if you don't like curse words. But ultimately, <laughs> our brain likes stories and it likes complete stories, whether or not they are true or false. So when that email comes in, our brain immediately creates a story. And the shitty first draft is looking at that story and saying, how true is it? What do I have questions about? What is a different perspective? And rewriting the story to a point that you can then respond and say, okay, this is, this is the facts. This is what I can come back to. Yeah. Um, so long story short, coming to the facts is a really great tool for stress management because stress is emotion. So grounding ourselves and saying, what are the facts? What do I know for sure? What do I need to know more about? Um, taking a step back and assessing our different energy buckets and understanding like, okay, why is this triggering me? Probably something with your values. Do I have the mental capacity to respond clearly? Do I have all the facts I need? Why are my emotions the way that they are? What would help me shift my emotions? Not toxic positivity. We don't have to be happy about everything. But what would make it okay enough that I can respond from a grounded position and a grounded emotion? Um, our health. You know, is something going on with our health that would allow us or disallow us to respond fully? You know, did we take a red eye flight the night before? Are mm -hmm. we triggered because we are sleep deprived? Are we sick? So maybe we're triggered because we're sick. What does our body need to be able to breathe through the stress, navigate the stress? Do we have the right social environment? Are we connected with the people that we need to be connected to in the way that serves us? So are you an extrovert who likes being surrounded by people and who gets your energy from people? Or are you an introvert who likes to process? And are you an external processor or an internal processor? Because that in itself is a huge way for navigating stress of understanding what do I need to think through the situation? Hmm. And lastly, our environment. Does our environment serve us? Is it raining and miserable and do you want to take a nap? Yeah, go take a nap. It'll make everybody happier. Just like go, go take a nap. Or is it sunny? Do you want to go step outside and breathe fresh air? Do you, is your desk a mess? Maybe it would make more sense to clean your desk before you organize. Like little things that you can do to reduce the external stress triggers so that that email isn't as triggering to you in the moment. Yeah. And what I've noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong, that seems to be like a common tie amongst all of those is like the need to remove the sense of urgency, mm -hmm. right? Um, which is so prevalent in corporate and um, if you own your mm -hmm. own business, right? And so like a lot of these strategies that you're talking about require us to retrain the brain again, that moment of pause and say like, okay, this isn't urgent. I don't need to respond right now. Let me clean my desk 
Let me connect with people. Let me internally, whatever it may be, right? So it's really like deconstructing that need for urgency so that we can allow for space for all of these stress management tools, right? Yeah. And being aware of your ability to regulate your emotions. Um, I have ADD, ADHD, like emotional regulation is tough for me. Like there's times where I physically have to step away because I Mm -hmm. am deregulated. And I, I can go from zero to a hundred on my frustration scale, like that, like I'm the person that has to remind myself to breathe and be like, if I'm on the phone with customer service and be like, it is not their fault, whoever (laughs) it is, they are the poor soul that has to be on the receiving end. So it's not their, they were not the ones who caused the issue with my flight or whatever, like. I have to remind myself to breathe because I go zero to a hundred so quickly. So it is, it's learning. What are your tendencies? What do Mm. you need to self-regulate? Is it screaming into a pillow? Is it stepping outside? Is it some of those grounding techniques like walking in grass barefoot? Is it petting a dog, which has been shown to like reduce your stress levels? Like, What do you need? What are your quick go-to exercises? If you're in a meeting and you can't do any of the things I just mentioned, where are your, um, I'm holding coffee, so I can't, but like, where are your pressure points? Where are like, what can you do breathing? What can you do underneath the camera that people can't see you doing? Like, what are, what are your coping mechanisms to ground? Because we can't always go outside. We can't always stop and clean our desk. There are times that we have to self-regulate in a second. And it is, it's like, for me, it's, it's whatever, I don't know what pressure point this is, but whatever this point is, for me, I'm like, press it, breathe. That's my reminder. And it's just yeah. what works for you. I worked with someone before that called it, which is like a common term, right? Their toolbox. And the way that she broke it down was by time and by environment. And so like, if you're in an external environment, like you're in a meeting or around other people, um, what are some resources that you can create for yourself? What's your toolbox in that situation? Okay, internal environment, meaning you're not in the company of other people. What's your toolbox there? And then separating it by time too. Do you have 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes, as much time? So I think separating it out like that and parsing it out like that could be really helpful for folks too. And so that kind of brings us to our next point of one of the contributing factors of burnout, which would be change. And we know that change causes a lot of stress (laughs) for um, a lot of us. And so I would love for you to expand a little bit about um, types of change that we can look out for that might be contributing to our stress levels, because I know we talked about COVID Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about change in employment, but what are some other common change triggers that folks might be able to point out for themselves? Sure. So literally any change in routine. Any change in routine. So a great example is I have a client who recently was getting her kitchen done. So her house was in utter chaos for about three months. Oh, complete change of routine. So she Mm -hmm. was like working from one of her kids' bedrooms upstairs while the kids were at school. Her husband was like in another, I think her husband was in her office, like complete change of routine. And she's like, well, she didn't, she just kind of wrote it off. She's like, well, it's fine. Like I'm still working. And like, yeah, but you're not in your office. 
you don't have the notebook that you typically grab. You don't, you can't just turn around to the printer because she was someone who liked printing things. Like you can't cook dinner the way that you'd normally cook dinner for your family. So yes, that in hindsight is a big change. Like you don't have a kitchen, but after three months, she was like, yeah, it's normal. I'm like, yeah, it's still not normal. <laughs> like it's still, yes. you have to think more. So any change that requires you to think a little bit more about an activity that you're going to do than you normally would have to is a change that could trigger stress, could trigger burnout, could trigger mm -hmm. any of the other things. Um, oh, go ahead. No, so I, I, the note I wanted to just throw in there real quick, it's, it sounds like it's about not minimizing the change, right? So any small thing, paying attention to that small thing and realizing that even though it might seem small, mm -hmm. <laughs> giving yourself the power to say, okay, this might seem small. And also it might have a really large effect. Totally. Like when we first got our dog, um, and Chauncey's like seven and a half now. So we've had him for a number of years, <laughs> but at the time, Matt and I were both huge runners and every morning we would wake up and go for a run. And all of a sudden we had this other animal that we had to be responsible for. And it was like, oh, I can't just wake up and go for a run. I have to wake up and walk the dog. I have to mm -hmm. make sure he is fed. Huge change in routine. We both fell out of running around that time because it just like no longer worked with our routine or our schedule, nor was it important enough to really keep it in there. Yeah. But it's small routine changes like that. Um, you know, when Matt and I moved to Oregon, we moved to a very, very small town that doesn't really have grocery stores that are viable options. So now, like, we have to truly meal plan and think through, like, what are we eating this week? What day are we going to the grocery store? Because back east, we could just be like, eh, there's broccoli in the fridge, but I don't want broccoli. So, like, let me just run to the store. Yeah. So it was a huge shift for us to move here and all of a sudden be like, oh, we have to actually eat what's in the fridge. And now it is our routine. But at the time, like, it wasn't really the moving across the country that was a big deal. It was the shifting of how we planned our meals each week, what we ate, what time we ate, because we work East Coast hours on the West Coast. Like, it's very confusing. So it little, little things like that, don't minimize it. Because the big things, right? Like, I changed my career, my boss changed, my title changed, my responsibilities changed. Like those are known changes that yes, they're big. Yes, they're impactful, but there's a start and an end. Mm. Um, something else to pay attention to if you do work in a corporate environment, layoffs. If people are laid off and you are safe, the um, psychological safety has changed. Mm -hmm. Your feeling of safety has changed. There is now uncertainty. That uncertainty of why was I saved? Am I truly safe? What's happening to everyone else? Is there another round of layoffs? Can I trust them? All things of change and uncertainty that can trigger you or just drain your energy. 
And one thing to note for entrepreneurs too is like, what changes are you bringing upon yourself? Like, so I've been doing these business audits with folks and noticing, uh, like auditing all different places in their Mm -hmm. business. But one thing that I see a lot of entrepreneurs do is like constantly wanting to change the way that they're serving their clients. I've been guilty of this too, right? But (laughs) when we're constantly changing our offer suite or like the way that we offer our services so frequently, it has such a negative effect um, on you and in turn your clients too. So something to keep in mind there too, is that like, yes, there are things happening around you that may be changing. And also if you're running your own business, what things are you constantly changing yourself to add more stress onto your own um, well-being? Because I think so often uh, as business owners, we like work, 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 and we get to a place where like, okay, I just got done making all these changes. I should feel better. And then you get to the end and you're like, I don't really feel better. And that's probably because everything just changed for you, right? Yeah. And I would also question, and if you're in the beginning of your business, those changes are going to happen because you learn, you change. Like I changed my packages so many times before I finally landed on where I am, which is everybody starts at six months. Everybody starts with the same six month package. Because I learned it was too much admin to start some people at three months and some people at six months and people need more than three months. Like, like it or not, you need more than three months. So like there was a lot of learning and growth to get to the stabilization, but I would encourage entrepreneurs specifically and especially if they have people pleasing tendencies and hyper achieving tendencies to question why they feel the urge to make the change. Yeah. Why do they feel the urge to make the ad? And if it truly is a value add, are you charging for it? Do you have capacity for it? And is it at the detriment of something else? Does it have to be done right now? By saying yes to that, what are you saying no to? And challenge yourself with every change by saying yes to this, doing this, adding this, whatever, what am I saying no to? And if it's your time, energy, sanity, stress, the answer is no, or not right now. Something I've started to implement too is anytime I have a new idea or something that I want to change or implement, I write it down and I give myself a time frame. Because Mm -hmm. I think that oftentimes I get excited, and this is a lot of us, right? You get excited about this new idea or this change, and then you act on it right away. And then sometimes there can be like that post-change regret because it wasn't absolutely necessary or it wasn't what would be most sustainable for you and your brand going forward. If you think it and write it down and give yourself a timeline, let's say it's 60 days, 90 days, whatever, and then revisit, you've given yourself the satisfaction of giving your idea a place to live. Mm -hmm. And also you've done yourself the service of like space and time to actually make a sustainable choice for you and your energy. Totally. And I think there's also the awareness of your strengths and your strength domains, Mm. because if you're an idea generator and you love coming up with ideas, but you're not a super strong executor, then like there's a mismatch because you're going to have the idea, you're going to get started, you're going to, and then it's just going to fizzle. Yep. So it's like, how do you either develop the skills so you can bring your ideas to fruition hire somebody that can support you in the areas that you're weaker in, but it's like, sit with it 
make sure it makes sense for your long-term vision. I would also say, do you have a long-term vision? Do you have a goal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a success formula in my practice. And the first thing I do with people is like, define success for me. They're like, oh, this goal. I'm like, no, that's a strategy to get you somewhere else. What does that goal get you? What does that thing get you? What is like, and is that aligned with your values, aligned with your long-term strategy, aligned with the business or life or leadership or career or whatever that you want to create for yourself? And if it doesn't, if you have to really rationalize how it fits in there, no, <laughs> don't yeah. do it. Table it, think about it. Maybe it'll fit in later. Like there's, everything's at least 10% right. But really think like, does it make sense for the long-term vision? Absolutely. And so to move on to our last point before we wrap up then would be the piece about relationships and environment. Are you surrounding yourself with the correct environment and people or are you surrounding yourself with people and environments that aren't so good for you and leading to burnout? So can you expand a little bit upon that as well and what you've seen in your practice with your clients about what kind of red flags to look for when it comes to bosses, peers, environments, family systems, whatever it may be Mm -hmm. um, that we might want to work through in order to find a healthier environment for us long-term? Yeah. So number one, if the people truly bring you energy, they're good people. If you Mm -hmm. are excited to go hang out with them, whoever it is, or to be in their presence, high energy people, that's good for you. Um, I actually saw a quote Yesterday, this morning, I don't know, but it was basically like, if you're tired of constantly having to be the bigger person, stop surrounding yourself with little people. Mm, I love that quote. Surround yourself with bigger people. So in a work environment, um, if your boss is toxic and you're choosing to stay, which happens a lot, especially in this job environment right now, in the job market right now. If you're in a toxic environment, but you're choosing to stay, think about who else is in your network, who else is in your circle that you can go to for support. Because if your boss isn't giving you the support or your peers aren't giving you support, it is your job to go find somebody to give you the support that you need. Change your expectations. Because that's a lot of it too. Like you're like, but my boss should support me. Yeah, you're right. They should, but if they're not, change your expectations, recognize what is the facts and go find somebody else. If you're an introvert who likes having that reset time, likes thinking through things, but you're, you're surrounded by extroverts who like thinking out loud, set yourself up for success by asking for meeting agendas in advance asking for questions in advance, asking for things in advance so that you can put the thought and energy into it ahead of time. So that way you can come to the meeting prepared and learn key phrases that allow you to cut in. Because oftentimes, like introverts don't talk a lot, but when they do, their words are so impactful. So give yourself permission to be heard Give yourself permission to have a voice. Practice cutting phases that allow you to shut the extroverts up because we just love hearing our voices and we don't always realize that we are stifling other people. 
So learn the words. If you're an extrovert and you notice that there's somebody that's more quiet, invite them into the conversation. There's been plenty of times in group coaching or other things where I see someone thinking and I will invite them into the conversation. You know, Maddie, I see, you know, you looked like you had a thought. I could, I could tell that your brain was, was going there. Like, what were you thinking? What, like what was coming up for you there? What ideas Mm -hmm. do you have? So invite people in, um, and set your calendar accordingly. Like if you need time, to prep for meetings, carve out time. I have a lot of people in corporate like, oh, I can't do that. I'm in back-to-back-to-back meetings. Okay, fine. Then carve out 30 minutes at the beginning of the day and 30 minutes at the end of the day. And after every meeting, I promise you have at least 30 seconds to write down two bullet points of what you have to remember from that meeting. Mm-hmm. Or that will remind you of something that came out of that meeting that you can do it at the end of the day. So really set yourself up for success by knowing, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Are you an external processor and an internal processor? And actively seeking the support network you need and building the support network you need either outside of work, inside of work, in your family, with a coach, with a therapist, with a VA, if you're an entrepreneur, like I use Grace as my thought person all the time. (laughs) Here are all my ideas. What do you think? And she yeah. learned to like manage me because I, again, ADD, ADHD, like I have all the ideas. I'm terrible at executing. So she mm-hmm. like reigns me in sometimes, but I need that. And I recognize that. So I communicated that to her and said, here's how it's going to go. I'm going to word vomit a lot of ideas on you. And it's your responsibility to tell me what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Yep. And it's great. And it's great. So it's, Knowing what you need, knowing who you need to be surrounded by, and setting yourself and that person up for success by communicating those needs. Absolutely. That last piece, communication, is so, so key for both parties. And I just want to voice that I had a major light bulb moment when you were talking about how introverts, it's really beneficial if you can ask for an agenda beforehand because I definitely identify as a more introverted person. Um, And so I always am – the biggest advocate of all agendas, <laughs> like for when I was doing client meetings and stuff. But now um, with these like business audits and different um, offerings, I'm doing one-to-one with clients. I'm thriving because I set up an ecosystem for myself where I can do a call and listen. And I set the expectation. I'm not providing feedback on this call. And I have a month after to really g- dig in when I'm by myself. And I always struggled before this because what you see in the world right now of consulting or coaching, whatever it may be, is like giving feedback in the moment. <laughs> and as an introvert, it's very, very difficult to do mm-hmm. so for me. Um, so I just had a major light bulb moment of like, oh, it all makes sense why it's like all coming together. So um, yeah. I definitely appreciate that. And it's learning how to set yourself up for success. Like I coach a ton of introverts and it's kind of going back to what we talked to earlier with that sense of urgency you don't have to reply in that moment. It is perfectly acceptable to say, let me think a little bit more on that and come back to you with a response. Let me think like, let me take that as a takeaway. I need to, I need to think on it a little bit more. Yes. There are times that you need to be able to provide a response right away. 
fine. We'll navigate those situations. 90% of the time, you can do a takeaway. Absolutely. The trick is, if you say you are going to circle back, you actually circle back. That is why like people hate the word circle back because it is so overused yep. and so empty because there's so many times we're like, we'll table that, we'll circle back to that, and we never actually come back. Yep. So if you use that language, if you buy yourself time, you now have to hold yourself accountable to actually following through and getting the answer by a certain date and time. But also be realistic with your date and time. Don't say right away, because right away means different, something different to everyone. So I need a couple days to think about it. I'll get back to you by Friday. And if by Friday you don't have an answer, you send them an email and say, I'm still looking into it. Here's what I've learned so far. Give me a couple more days. Communication. Definitely. I think that's been one of the major takeaways from this year for me in entrepreneurship is a learning to take that moment of pause and say, I will get back to you because I never felt comfortable doing that until I started to like de or like break down that need for urgency and B, giving myself longer time frames too, because I think that's also an introverted thing of like, sometimes I need more than 24 hours to process mm-hmm. because I really um, value quality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I can give you a response in the moment or within 24 hours, but it won't be of the utmost quality if I would have taken the five days, week, whatever it may be. So I think that's a really important thing for um, anyone that identifies as an introvert listening to really pay attention to for themselves too. And so to kind of wrap everything up, um, I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about where people can find you and how they can work with you. Of course, we'll link all the things in the show notes, but I want to give you an opportunity to share your piece here. And then we have a few rapid fire questions that I share with all the guests at the very end of the episodes that we'll go into after. So you have the mic to share a bit more about where folks can get in touch. Awesome. So the easiest way to get in touch with me is on Instagram. It is the platform that I am most active on, but Instagram at Conchi Coaching. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, The other place you can find me is my website. And I would highly recommend checking out my website. I have a ton of free resources. Um, I have a values assessment, a short and sweet version that you can download for free if you want to just kind of take a crack at it. It's different than what I um, explained today because I, I literally came up with that on the fly and I like it. I'm going to steal it for myself later. Um, but I have the values assessment. I also have a task taskless organizer. It is a mouthful. But that is a mouthful. <laughs> so task organizer is great if you just have this massive to-do list and you don't know what to do with it. Um, go download that because it helps you just kind of categorize your categorize your items into is it a hell yes can I delegate it should I delegate it should I say no or should I reframe my mindset around it Mm. um the other call out tool um for just people who are just getting started is the burnout bundle so the burnout bundle if you are feeling burnt out it includes an in-depth values assessment it includes a joy assessment which forces you to sit down and list out a hundred things that bring you joy because when we start to feel burnt out and we start saying no to all the things that bring us joy, this calls us back and says, 
I'm not going to rush through making my tea. I'm not going to skip getting my frou-frou drink at Starbucks because it brings me joy. Like I'm not going, like I'm going to prioritize these things. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a burnout wheel that helps you kind of identify where to focus first. And then there's a 30 day mindset reset challenge all in that burnout bundle. And the reason I call out the free resources in the burnout bundle first is because a lot of my clients are DIYers. A lot of my clients try to do all the things by themselves before eventually asking for help. So if that sounds like you, go check out these resources, go download them, purchase them, whatever, and start working through them. When you are ready to seek help and work with me one-on-one, send me a DM or just book an exploration call on my website and we will talk about it. We will talk about what are you going through? What are your goals? What are your challenges? And if I can support you as a coach, we will then talk about what that looks like, next steps, and we'll go from there. Um, The reason I do the exploration call is because I never want to force coaching on anyone. If I have to convince you that coaching will work, if I have to convince you that now is the right time, it won't and it's not. So I need you to know, yes, I am ready to invest in myself and my future and I am an I'm ready to partner with someone to move forward. When you can say yes to those three questions, book a call and we'll talk. Amazing. Cool, cool, cool. I'm so excited for people to check out those resources and then hopefully work with you as well. Because as you can tell if you're listening, Jen has so much knowledge and insight. And what I appreciate about you, even just during this conversation, is the way that you kind of like poke holes in the way that we think and we act, right? Like making us question and get curious about the different habits that we have and the different beliefs that we have, which I think is so important to have someone to hold us accountable to questioning our beliefs, our values, the way that we've been doing things. If we actually want to change, that's the way to do it. Yeah, totally. Because ultimately coaching is all about partnering with people to find their best solution and find their best answers. I don't know what's best for you. All I know is that I can provide a different perspective and poke holes, like you said, poke holes in the story that you're saying. So you're saying the great example is like, I'll have clients who are like, I really want to do this and I'm doing all of these things. And I'm like, can you connect how that works for me? (laughs) Because you're saying this, but you're doing this. And I just help me understand Help me understand, help me clarify this for me. Here's a different perspective. Here's a piece of education. And it's a very discussion-based approach to help people kind of peel back all of those layers and say, oh, you're right. It was a protective behavior, a learned behavior. It isn't serving me anymore. Let's come up with a new toolbox or a new strategy or a new whatever so that I can be more authentic and confident and manage my time, stress, energy, and do the things I want to do and breathe. Perfect. That is such a good way. I've never heard anyone like talk about coaching in that way, you know? So I think it's really beautiful to hear different people's perspectives on even just what the role of coach even means. Um, So to wrap things up, I want to go through these quick rapid fire questions. So essentially, 
I'll ask the question and then you can say the first thing that comes to mind or take a beat and think about it before responding. They start off like quick and easy and then they go into some more expansive questions at the end. So first one is sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Sweet or salty? Mm, both. <laughs> both. Uh, mountains or beach? Mountains. Uh, what is one word you'd use to describe yourself? Um, energetic. I would say energetic. Uh, what would you want your last meal to be? A. All right, I'm going to be very specific. Go for it. <laughs> Mystic Burger from McMinimins with fries and a beer. <laughs> Perfect. Um, if tomorrow were your last day, how would you want to spend it or who would you want to spend it with? I would like to spend it backpacking in the mountains and with whoever wants to go with me. <laughs> Perfect. And then last question. If you could leave the world with one last piece of advice, what would it be? that you have the power to redefine success and what life should look like for you. You don't have to listen to anybody else or do anything you don't want to do. Oh, amazing, amazing. Thank you so, so much, Jen, for being here as a guest on the show today. I'm so grateful that we get to work together and even more grateful that you carved out some time to be here with everyone today. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was great. Of course. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Her Life, Her Way podcast. I am so grateful that you have found your way here and that you carved out some time out of your day and your busy schedule to be a part of this community and tune into these conversations. If you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could take just a quick moment to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Subscribers and reviews really, really help the growth of our podcast long term. So if you are appreciating the conversations that we're having and you believe in the mission of what we're trying to do here with this podcast, it would go a super long way if you could take again just a moment to subscribe to the pod and leave a review or even share with a friend if you enjoyed this episode in particular. Thank you again for being here and we will see you next time.